a fascinating paradox emerges in the in uh, the halachas of sukkah as a result of our discussions of the last few days. So we talked about the unique qualities of the of the walls of a sukkah, and that they the, yesterday we talked about the fact that they are extensions of the schach, as the Maharam said that they that that, that they part of the schach in the sense schach is part of the defanot. The Rambam's view that the defanot, the walls themselves, have a certain kedusha. Uh, it's not. It's not walls the same as mechitzot Shabbat. The, the, the mechitzas we use for yilchot Shabbat to allow us, or us to carry in an area that is public is a completely different concept. That's just a physical reality. It's an engineering structure, uh, and uh, there's no kabbalistic stuff to it. The walls of a sukkah, a sukkah altogether is kabbalistic. Uh, you kind of get into this whole kabbalistic thing of understanding them, the schach and the anana covered right at the very beginning. You start with the idea that this is a there's metaphor and there's art and there's emotion and there's spirituality and there's feeling with the Mechitzot Shabbat, it's pure, pure engineering. What do you need to do to demarcate a space and to mark it out as a private space and how permanent does that structure need to be and so on. Um, and what emerges is what happens if you build a sukkah on the side of your house into the pub, in public, so your house is right on, on the public property, you're, as you walk out of your, your house you're in the you're in public property. So you build a sukkah um, alongside the entrance to your house so that as you walk out of your house, you're in the sukkah. But the sukkah is in Rishut Arabim. But it's a kosher sukkah. But let's say you've used all these minimalistic tricks that the halacha gives us to create a virtual sukkah where there, where there are very few walls. But, but it's 100% kosher as a sukkah. It's two walls with a little bit of a tefach extra, or you've got a tzurat petach, you've got a kind of an archway. Whatever it is, you're using all these different mechanisms to, to be very minimalistic about the walls of the sukkah, but it's fine, it is a sukkah. But, but they're not Shabbos mechitzas. That wouldn't work for mechitzot Shabbat. So now you've got a problem. Your sukkah falls on, on Monday, you use the sukkah on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, Thursday. Come Shabbos, and you want to take your food out to the sukkah, but the sukkah isn't a, isn't a Rishus The sukkah is still part of the Rishus Harabim. Says Rova, amazingly, Once it's called a dolphin for sukkahs, it's a dolphin for Shabbos as well. So this Shabbos is different from all other Shabbos of the year. It's called Shabbos to sukkah. The Shabbos of sukkahs is a different Shabbos from all the rest of the year, and it has different halachot. What, what, here, what are the different halachot? That they are mechitzot. A rishut hayachid, we, we allow an area which is a rishut hayachid for, for, for sukkot, for Shabbat sukkot, which we would never allow on any other Shabbat. So it's, so it's different. But that's the idea. This is a famous migu of, of Rove. So let, let's, understand the, the, let's understand the migu a little bit. So the, the simple words of the, of the Gemara, and it's repeated that way by the Ritvo and by the Ra'o, is Since it's a Dauphin, and here the idea that, that we need to understand is once Halakha defines something, that definition works across Shas, kind of. If it's defined as a Mechitza, you call it a Mechitza. It doesn't matter that it's a Mechitza for Sukkah or it's a Mechitza for Shabbos. It, it, what we see here in Rove is once you've called it a mechitza and it performs a mechitza function, it functions as a wall, as a separator, as a partition, then it's for Shabbos, for Sukkah, it makes a difference. It is that. Once you call it that, once you define it that way, then you apply all the halachot to that definition. So on that Shabbos, this is defined as a mechitza, then you apply all the halachot of the mechitza to, to, to that mechitza and, and it works. Um, 
the way the run words that you see is something a little different, a similar concept, but, but a little different. It makes it easier to understand. The run uses the words, demigu demahani le'inyan sukkah le'echol v'lishon betocha, mahani nami le'shabbat, the sukkah le'inyan shabbat, she'yehi mutal le'taltel b'kula. Since the sukkah is allowed, you're allowed to eat and drink and sleep in it on, on the Shabbos. It's allowed for, for, for carrying on Shabbos as well. What does he mean? It means we're not talking about the wall. You call, talk about a mechitza in halacha, you can define a mechitza in concept, in context. You can say this is a mechitza for the laws of Shabbos. This is a mechitza for the laws of Tzniut. This is a mechitza for the laws of Sukkot. And those are three different mechitzas with different laws, with different dimensions, with different functions. And you can do that in, in, in halacha. That, that wouldn't create the migu. What creates the migu, says the ran, is the fact that, that we call this a rishut hayachid. What greater rishut hayachid is there than an area which the halacha says you have to eat and sleep in? What, what more rishut hayachid is it? You eat and sleep in your private property. So it's defined as private property. Who cares what kind of mechitza defined it as private property? For sukkahs, this is defined as private property. And if it's private property, then Shabbos becomes, what, what is the purpose of mechitza on Shabbos? To create private property. So during the year, you need certain mechitzot to create private property. On sukkah, the halacha itself, the Torah creates private property. You don't need the laws of Shabbat to create the private property. The laws of sukkah create the private property. And now that it's private property, you can apply all the laws of private property to it, including carrying on Shabbat. What's the, the important point that I want to extract from this is the power of def- definition. That when you've got a complex concept, and you see that in, 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 in areas, in, in business and economics, we talk about productivity. I'll say to you, you need to increase productivity. You know exactly what I mean. But productivity is a really concept, a complex economic concept. What is it made of? You say productivity. You've given it a definition. You've defined it, given it a name. And now you work with the name. We, we do the same in halacha all the time. We, we talk about hotza'ah b'shabbat. Hotza'ah b'shabbat is, is, is pages and pages of Gemara and Shulchan Aruch. What Muktzah. Pages, look what's going on with Mukta when we're learning Mukta. It's complex. But you say the word Mukta, every child knows what you mean. You give something, you, you, you de- we deal with complexity by giving it a name. But that name goes more than being a facility for, for, for conceptualizing. Uh, it it's also becomes the reality of that thing. So in Torah, and this is a semi-Kabbalistic and a semi-Halachic concept, that when something has been defined with a term and a name, that becomes its reality. That's what it is. So when you talk about a novella, a novella is not a dead animal that has not been shechted properly. Well, it is all of that, but a novella is a concept on its own. And when you look at something and you say, this is a novella, you know what that means. It's an object. It's a thing. And if, if, if you point to a person, you call him a novella, that's a terrible thing. It doesn't mean that he's an animal which hasn't been shechted properly, the die. That's not what it means. Nevela is a concept. And so in, in, we have it in halacha, we have it in economics, we have it in philosophy, we have it in psychology. All that you talk about it, the person has an inferiority complex. Again, talk to any real academic psychologist and there'll be books and books about what an inferiority complex is. But you don't need to know the books and books. You've given it a term, that's what it is. And when you've called something in halacha, when you've called something, whether according to the ritvo and the ra'or, it's calling it a dolphin, calling it a mechitza. Does that do it? Or according to the ran, no, mechitza, there are different types of mechitza. That's, that's a category. But to call it a rishus hayachid, once you've created the concept of rishus hayachid, that's a complete and full concept that you can use in, in, any, in any particular way.
We see this, this principle applied even to in, in interpersonal relationships. That the, the Gemara tells us, we did this just a, just a little while ago in, in the Sechta Yuma, I think it was, that, that there are lots of people who go to Gehenim, the Gemara says in Bovetzi and Nunches, uh, but three of their three people, when they go to Gehenim, they don't come back. And the Rambam says it doesn't mean they never come back. They can do tshuva, but without tshuva, they don't come back. And, and the list is a person that has relations with somebody else's wife, or you embarrass somebody, or you give somebody a name, you mechane, you call somebody by a nickname, you give somebody a nickname. And the Gemara says, but that's the same as, as embarrassing the person. No, says the Gemara, if he's, it might be a nickname that's already accepted. Still, you can't use the nickname. Adds Rashi, if your intention is to embarrass them, you can't use the nickname. But if you're using the nickname because that, that's the name he answers to, then that's fine, then you use the nickname. Says Rashi in the Shulchan Aruch Paskans that way. But the Rambam seems not to mention anything about the intention to embarrass. The Rambam in Hilchus Tshuva says quite clearly, to create a, a nickname is also, and to call somebody by a nickname is also. And that's a separate issue. But just the mere mechane, the Rambam mentions nothing about intention or, if, or impact, just to give somebody a kinui. Because a person has a name. When you give them a different name, you're changing who they are. That becomes the concept of that person. And you saw that, that how, how brilliantly and cruelly uh, Donald Trump was able to do that when he campaigned, to give his opponents, each one of them, a nickname that defined their negative qualities. And that became the person. And, and in people's minds, that became the person. That's the power of a kinui. That's the power of giving a name to somebody one can, or to something. One can use it negatively to bring something down, and one can use it positively to elevate. So in our thinking, in our communication with people, in our leadership, in our business, in our teaching, always important to get to a point where you can define something clearly, Give it a name so that thereafter you only refer to the name. You don't have to keep on referring to the definition. And people become accustomed to the shame. And in, in, in Hebrew, shame means a name and it means a noun also. The, the name of a thing, the name of a concept, the definition. Shame means definition. Always use definition and be cautious with the definitions to make sure that they're accurate and to make sure that they're complete so that people can understand and can work with these ideas and what we're doing. But when it comes to, to other human beings, we have to be careful that we don't give them shameless, that we don't attach names to them that have negative connotations or in any way derogatory, because that becomes their reality. And you see that in schools with little children, with bullying, when kids are given nicknames, how permanently destructive that can, that can come. Because in people's minds, that becomes a reality. And what we see in al it's not just a question of in people's minds, the, name, the way you name something really does define it. It really does make, create that reality and make that reality uh, in what it is. And so also we have to be aware as we learn, as we use terms, to understand the power of what those terms are, both in halakha and in general, and in general studies. Just to understand when we're using a term, what do we mean by the term? What does that term mean? That's where there's clarity of thinking. That's where there's clarity of communication. Um, and, and that's where in halakha we can get clarity of reasoning as well.